this is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Today on the Spa Retailer Podcast, we have Ted Lawrence from Pool Corp. Ted, what's your title at Pool Corp these days? Right now, the corporate category retail manager. I really handle everything from assisting sourcing on new product development all the way through retailers get better through design and layout to chemicals, accessories, and all those fun sort of retail items for a swimming pool store. That's what I manage for the company. Yeah. And that is why we wanted to have you on because the spa retailer podcasts, our audience is mostly, you know, independent, small, hot tub retailers. And so you bring a whole different perspective because you're kind of dealing with things on a larger scale than what they are typically dealing with. I mean, not that you don't deal with small independent retailers. I mean, that is hundred percent the case. Case, but you kind of get to see an industry-wide, a bigger picture of retail in general than I think our audience gets to deal with. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. The lifeblood, honestly, of the both pool and hot tub industry is the small independent retail. You know, I don't think I know we know each other. We've shared some drinks in Atlantic City, <laughs> but I don't think I know your personal background. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And oh, okay. I originally sort of was born into the grocery industry where I got my chops, if you will. And my grandfather owned grocery stores and I always thought that was going to be my legacy. And I yeah. felt that grocery was some of the best retailers in the world, you know, because there's nobody there selling you product. You mm-hmm. determine what to buy based upon brand or price or value, all of these things, product positioning. There's so many things that come into play. And I'll give you the short, long story. There that I really liked. And I was in high school and her dad owned a pool store. And I said, you know what? I just popped into one day. Hey, is there a job opening and whatever else? And that one little thing literally changed my life. Now I got the girl for a very short amount of time. What I got out of it was a path and a career. And through high school, I worked in the pool store through college. I worked in a pool store. And when I got my degrees and I got out of school at Penn state, I said, what am I going to do? And I entered the workforce and it's not what I liked. And I opened up my own pool store. What was it about pools that you liked better than grocery? Well, obviously we know what attracted you to it, but what kept you there? It's so mature of an industry and you're Mm. fighting tooth and nail for very tiny margins and high volume. So I incidentally, I said, if I'm going to dive in, I need to figure it out. So I booked a plane ticket. I'd never been on an airplane before to the New Orleans pool and spa show. And I believe that was 96. And I said, I got to figure out what this industry is all about. And when I landed and I got to the show, I'd never been on a plane. I'd never really been anywhere in the world. And I walked in the convention center and I talked to all these people. I walked out of there going, this is my life. Mm. The opportunity, how immature it is and my parallels were drawn to grocery. I know it'll be successful. And, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way, but it was all in that first day of the New Orleans Pool and Spa Show. You say you started your own pool store. So you not only did you decide that this is the industry for you, you were like, oh, and I'm just going to start from scratch and do my own thing from the start. <laughs> I felt like there weren't any businesses that I had saw that were doing it the way I wanted it to be. And I had partners involved in the pool store. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just wasn't for me after a couple of years into it. And I had sold my portion out and I had come and I worked for a 
larger swimming pool retail outfit in Cleveland, Ohio, opened up retail stores for them and ran the retail operation, had a lot of fun. You know, then it was time to sort of graduate on to the next level. And in 2003, I joined Pool Corp, which was a big company then, but it's been a wild ride. My goal shifted from not about me to about how can I help the industry and how can I help everybody? Mm-hmm. That's really when I joined Pool Corp, that was my mission. And that's when I remember sitting down with Manny Perez de la Mesa and saying, I have this vision about this whole retail thing. Hear me out. And we really didn't have a department then. And he was the one that said, I see value. You're, you know, all these things. If we help independent retail get better, everybody comes along for the ride, right? They get better, we get better, manufacturing gets better. And it really that was that that still is my mission today is the voice of the consumer and the voice of the retailer. Everything I do in my life, that's what I think about. Yeah, well, and it's interesting your background in retail growing up and kind of being surrounded by it in a different industry. You know, most small business owners in this industry, they don't have that background. You know, the the store was handed down to them from parents who started out of their garage or, you know, they started cleaning pools or selling hot tubs on the weekend on the side for a friend to help out. And next thing you know, here they are, you know, running these multi-million dollar retail operations and they don't really know some of the basic tenets of retail. And some of that is what makes our industry great because you see a lot of ingenuity and, you know, they figure it out on their own and figure out what works. But there are some basic principles that you see in grocery stores and you see in some other, you know, higher end, more established retail environments that can really be beneficial to our industry. And I've sat in on your planogram sessions for merchandising retail stores at the Pool Corp Retail Summit. And it's pretty fascinating, just the small changes that you can make that will make a huge impact, not only in how your store looks, but in how things sell. So it's great to have kind of a a coach available to people that offers more of a a background in some of the actual basic principles in retail. You know, it's interesting you say all of that and ingenuity was the word you used and it's absolutely correct. And I love it because Mm -hmm. you have a person who may have started on their own or may have inherited the business or bought the business and they feel that the steps are retail is in the equation somewhere. Right. And most of the time, their vision of retail is a place to put my stuff. And when I walk into a relatively newer retail operation, that's how it feels to me. And through a little bit of coaching and basic organization and flow and strategy, you figure it out. And I think the best example is when I draw a store, whether it be by hand or on a computer, I do it from the consumer's point of view. Mm -hmm. And when I get drawings from retailers. I get it from the exact opposite. Yeah, And that's the first. And sometimes we'll submit these drawings back to these retailers and we go, that's not my store. And I go, turn it 180 degrees. I go, oh my gosh, I never really looked at the store that way. And I go, and that's what you have to start to do. Everything you do has to be the voice of the customer. You know, it's no longer what I want to sell you. It's our jobs as retail and suppliers and manufacturing to figure out what that is and service it. In your background, did you ever dabble in selling hot tubs at all? Yes. So I say I paid my college tuition in above ground pools and hot tubs. I worked for a very large hot tub retailer in the summer outside of State College, Pennsylvania. And we would go to this fair that was a month long. I don't know how you guys do those. I just, when I hear about retailers at some of these big, you know, month long fairs, it just sounds really difficult and kind of awful. (laughs) 
I love hot tub retail. It's especially when you talk about Northeast, Midwest, Southeast, these are a part of the pieces of the puzzle of retail. And, you know, the further you get in, you know, some of the resort areas or out West, you get these standalone hot tub only stores that I always find very fascinating. I've never really thought about it like that, but you're right. You do see more of the mix of pools and hot tubs on the East Coast. And then as you move more West, it's a lot more of the standalone guys. You're right. You know, I've studied all the markets globally and I've traveled the world and it's, I draw some parallels to states and areas. But when you really look at it, the Midwest, Northeast and the Southeast, which are historically seasonal markets actually Mm -hmm. have the most mature swimming pool retail and hot tub retail. Hmm. They're the larger offering is bigger. And when you really break it down to the basics, if you think about California, Texas, Arizona, most people have a pool person. So the inclination is you go to them and in the Midwest, Northeast and Southeast, it's the opposite. It's I'll take care of my pool. So you have to have a destination. That's really the dynamics that have to shift and change when you're specifically when you're talking about product offering and how to lay out your store is geography. We have such a big country, you know, and just the differences between one side of it versus the other in so many ways are fascinating. And I'd never really thought about it in terms of that before. Think about it in terms of food and how we eat differently in different parts, right? Right. So to get back to the pandemic a little, because we can't have a podcast without, you know, delving into that anymore. Of course. (laughs) So kind of from your your bird's eye view, we'll call it at Pool Corp. What are some of the the changes and impacts that you saw immediately in the industry? We talked about a little bit in terms of the pandemic. What were things that you saw retailers doing to stay open? And even if they couldn't stay open to stay in front of customers and and still take care of their customers, even when they couldn't physically come into their stores? Yeah, that was the fun thing to really watch and talk to people is how resilient the people in our industry, how they're thinking on their feet and outside the box. You you had a small portion of the population that said, you know, I'm going to stay open. And then you had another part of the population says, well, I'm going to stay open and do it differently. Mm-hmm. And some people just idled the business, whole thing dust settles, I'm going to reopen. And of course, right. you know, dust hasn't settled yet. Yeah. But I think some of the fun things that I saw right away were the taking this, the, the store immediately. Whether it's putting up a 10 by 10 tent where people could drive up and drive through the phone or call ahead or text or the development of an online app or you could order from and pick up or, you know, the whole BOPIS strategy, right? Uh, Buy online, pick up and store or curbside service. And I saw some amazing things very, very quickly. People were starting to to adopt and adapt it. So you saw those things right, right away, which was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, it was crazy how quickly people got some of these things up and off the ground. And there, it was things that they maybe had in their long-term planning. You know, we're going to work on this and, you know, maybe launch it in a couple of years. And they did it overnight, which was insane. And, you know, I feel like in the pandemic, I think customers were way more forgiving also. You know, if you launched something like that without being under the circumstances that we were, you know, I'm not sure the customers would have been as understanding of some of the bumps along the way, but people understood. It's like, you know what, you had to do this overnight. If we got to wait a little extra or, you know, you're still trying to figure out your processes. We'll kind of deal with that. So it wasn't the prettiest rolling out of new programs that we've ever seen, but as quickly as retailers got things up and going, just completely blew my mind. I saw some great things on the hot tub side of things as well. I service a lot of hybrid models and, you know, I follow all the industry groups online and, and a lot of key retailers too. But the one that I saw was 
the virtual walkthroughs of the showrooms that wow. I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And it was the virtual walkthrough on a hot tub or the, it's almost like what, what car do, dealers do now, right? They take a bunch of pictures of the car. They do the video around the car. And they'll have a guy talking or a person talking about the, the car. I saw a lot of that, which was really great to see. But, you know, I think ultimately the, on the consumer side of things, you know, grocery and some other retailers really taught an aging population how to use technology. Right. And that helped us and some other industries on these consumers adopt the technology and said, well, you know, if my grocery store is doing it, then, you know, I guess these people have to do it too in this industry. Mm-hmm. And so that was nice to see. I think that we're not going to see it go away in 2021. I yeah. still, you have a good size of the population that's going to say, you know what, this was very convenient, you know, buying it online and just swinging by and you loading it in my car. I, right. I'm okay with that. I have a uh, pickup today at Lowe's <laughs> and, I, and it's like one item and it's super small and I feel really silly, but you know, I have small children and getting them out of the car seats and dragging them inside a store to pick up one small item is kind of the worst. And so, yeah, driving up and having him bring it out to me, even though it seems dumb in some ways. Is kind of the best thing ever. And yes, I hope that we never go back. The term I'm using is called forced change. Yeah. Okay? We're forced to change. And the scenario is some people won't. I mean, and I think that's okay. And when you really look at like Target and, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot, some mm-hmm. of the larger stores, they were adopting BOPA strategies right off the get. And they were understanding that. 60% of the people that were doing BOPIS would actually come into the store and buy another item. So that, you know, they were going online to secure this product or whatever it may be, have you load the heavy thing in my car so I can go in the store and enjoy other things. So I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's something that we'll definitely need to offer as a, as an industry. And, and sure. quite frankly, you said it right. I mean, before I had kids, I didn't realize what a pain it was getting them in and out of car seats in the multiple stops, right? It's the worst. It is. It's tough. And I can understand why Walmart exists, right? Mm -hmm. One stop, I go in, load the kids in and out of the car once, and then Mm -hmm. I'm on my merry way. And that's something that specialty retail needs to fight is how do I get my consumer, not necessarily out of the car, but how do I do business and have them do business with me? And I think a BOPIS strategy is, is it. Yeah, we really saw, you know, the Walmarts and Targets of the world setting up these pickup stations a couple of years before the pandemic that was starting to really roll out. And I can't imagine a world in which we had the pandemic and didn't have that option. That would have been pretty awful. But, you know, the conversation back then was, you know, is this something that we need to look at as an industry? Is this something that we need to, you know, be make available to our customers? And then overnight, the answer was yes. <laughs> It's interesting just how quickly it changed on a dime and how these conversations that we were having for, like I said, long-term plans and being like, well, we should watch that and kind of see how it goes became overnight. We're doing it tomorrow. And it's so anti-retail. Like Mm -hmm. it really is when you think about it. And even before this all, the pandemic started, you actually saw grocery starting to get away from self-checkout. Right. They still had them. You went online to buy a cold transaction, right? You buy it and it's delivered and I don't have to interact with anybody. You know, the whole idea of retail is to have that connection with the consumer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once again, the world is evolving and changing. And there's a segment that wants to be treated that way. There's a segment that wants it delivered to their house. There's a segment that wants to do it in person. And it's our job to make sure we cater to them all. First, we're all terrified. And then sales just skyrocket. And as we all know, lead times in the leisure industries are just insane right now. I mean, 
hot tubs are at something like 55 weeks for some manufacturers. And it's not just hot tubs, though. I mean, it's kind of across the board. I feel like sometimes we think we're in our own little bubble and things are only impacting us. But it is, you know, across many industries and many items and many product categories. What does it look like for some of these other product categories that, you know, we maybe don't deal with as much, but you get to see, you know, the chemicals and grills and other, you know, furniture, the other things that you guys deal with, are they in the same lead time and and waiting period that we are for hot tubs? They're virtually the same. When you look at anything that's in leisure category, so above ground pools are in the same boat, trying to get an in-ground contractor to build a pool, most of them are completely sold out for 2022. On the supply side of things, you had, you know, a couple interruptions in supply that occurred this year on specifically trichlor-based product or isocyanurates, which are tabs. You know, you had some issues in manufacturing. Of course, you had manufacturers who had shut down. And before the pandemic, the supply chain in our product categories were already getting strained. Really? The demand was already there. Okay. And the perfect storm had come around to where people are stuck at home. People who didn't have jobs had some help from the government. So you had money. Housing and prices in the stock market, sort of about a 45 day period, we're still up there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are you going to do with the kids when you don't have anything to do? Put a pool in, you know, put a hot tub in, do something. Yeah. And every bit of the leisure industry, including the things you just said, grills or paddle boards or mm-hmm. toys and games, gone. In the magazine, at least, we talked really in depth about the supply chain for the hot tub industry and how that got impacted and kind of how we ended up where we are. But there are some new things now that I'm hearing as far as, you know, raw materials and products coming over from China, which, you know, we get a lot of stuff from China, obviously. Mm -hmm. There's a container shortage now and they can't get containers back fast enough to refill them to get them over here. So the product may be ready to go, but it's going to sit there for weeks and weeks because suddenly you don't have the containers to move things back and forth. And it just seems like it sort of feels like we can't catch a break. Like (laughs) you kind of solve one problem, you know, everybody's sort of open now and we've kind of figured out how to manufacture safely again. And then you get into this, you know, you sort of start to get caught up on, you know, we're making enough product to keep up with demand. And then there's this where it's like, oh, well, we're we're making the product, but now we can't actually get it to you. That's exactly right. I mean, the whole the container prices are through the roof right now. I mean, I've heard some in excess of 50% more expensive than it was a year ago. Times at the docks are a lot longer. And of course, duties and tariffs are high. It makes it attractive to buy more domestic now. Yeah. But we are dependent on some products in our industry that Mm -hmm. you have to buy it from overseas, whether it be China or India, or even in some cases, there are some hot tub chemical products that are only manufactured in Europe. You know, if the manufacturing plants aren't open to full capacity, there will be a tightening of supply in these things. You know, a lot of the hot tubs bought and sold in the United States are made here or at least in North America. And so, and so, yeah, this is kind of stepping outside of our usual supply chain and how we think of how we get product because we're, a lot of people are dealing with, you know, North American based companies. And so, yeah, I think that for some of these other products, we're not as fully entrenched in understanding what that looks like. And it's just insane. Do you have a guess? I mean, who knows what's going to happen next, but do you have a guess on when we might start to see some relief? There's such a backlog of, you know, POs that may not even been completely filled from 2020 still hasn't happened, right? So, you know, talking to a lot of the larger manufacturers in the leisure category over the past 
30 or 45 days, they had made commitments to run these machines and manufacturing until they can't run them anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see the supply differently than you normally have. Because, mm -hmm. you know, pre-pandemic, we were sort of going to an on-demand you know, oh, supply yeah. chain, right? Absolutely. We were sort of not having these big warehouses full of hot tubs and pools and everything else. And we were relying upon manufacturers to ship upon demand or distributors to, to supply on demand. Right. And so that was already in the trend. So you're starting to now, this year, everybody wants back to the golden days, right? We want to stock and stuff our warehouse full of product because ye who has the product this year will reap the benefits, will be yeah. the, the motto, right? But manufacturers are very quick to put people on consumption this year. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm only going to ship you what I shipped you when I shipped you last year. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing that trend happen. My crystal ball to get it out here for a moment. I think you're going to see a couple things. First off, I think retailers in our space are going to see more traffic than they have ever seen. I think mass merchant won't have a lot of our product and our product that's available. Mm -hmm. You know, as you well know, you can buy hot tubs from Costco in some markets, right? And, right. you know, other large retailers, you can buy chlorine tablets from Sam's Club and so on. I think when a consumer is used to looking at these products at a mass merchant, no longer sees them because of the supply stream, mm -hmm. they're going to be flocking to a retailer to find them. Now, it's up to you then to figure out what you're going to do with that customer. And this is your opportunity to gain a new customer. This is mm -hmm. your opportunity if you are selling chemicals to get them on a new system, right? The words that I'm using for 2021 is chlorine reduction products. <laughs> yes. So whatever you can do to sell a consumer something to reduce the help you in the long run and will help yeah. the entire industry because it's going to be tight. Once again, the supply, we probably won't see some relief. This is me talking in my crystal ball till probably sometime late second quarter, if not third quarter of the year. Okay. So what are some things that people can do for hot tubs? You know, we have our sister magazine, Pool Pro. We've talked a lot about that in Pool Pro, but not so much on the hot tub side. How is that going to look for hot tub retailers? What are they going to be, have a hard time getting and how can they move their customers into some new technologies? What's nice about hot tub is they sort of evolved a little further than pool has. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, most people don't treat their hot tubs with chlorinated based product unless it's, you know, commercial application. You know, the, the, the golden way of treating a hot tub was bromine. That supply is still available. But yeah. even so, hot tubs evolve past that into, you know, whether it be ionization systems or chlorine generation systems, even mm -hmm. with some machines. I think the only real Two things that will be in supply shortage on the hot tub side of things would be, number one would be the chemical potassium monoprosulfate. Right. Which would be, you know, what we know as a non-chlorine shock. That's mm -hmm. primarily manufactured in Europe. There'll be some tight supply there. The second thing will be the actual containers. Let, let's call it what it is. There is a, a aluminum can shortage in the beverage industry, right? Because people are staying home and drinking more beverages. You, versus... you mean my sparkling water that I suppose you can't really see it because of my background. I can't see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, my sparkling water that I've been drinking like 10 cans a day of <laughs> to keep me so, from drinking cocktails. That's my fake cocktail. That's right. right. <laughs> We should have done this a happy hour. That's right. Oh, we don't we don't but, want to see Megan doing podcasts on that during happy hour. That happened at the beginning of the pandemic and it was a little rough. <laughs> yeah, 
but containers are going to be a problem. They, they're already in, a, in parallel industries. I, you know, I mentioned cans. The 12 ounce can is in shortage right now. Well, we're going to have the same issue with, you know, plastics, two pound bottles. That's a concern as well. So as long as manufacturers have the bottle, they'll fill the product. I, you know, I've been talking to some people who are planning on coming out with some new chemical products this, you know, this year or even last year. And it kind of keeps getting put on hold and put on hold and put on hold. And I sort of, I kind of wonder if that is maybe one of the reasons why is because they can't actually put them in something to sell them. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the machines that make that stuff, they're, they're going crazy. The, Mm -hmm. you know, the price of oil and all these things are unstable at the moment. So Yeah, all these things are dependent. Uh, these are all the things that keep me up in the middle of the night. So uh, yeah, well, and it's it's just I find it fascinating. And um, this isn't something that in the past I've gotten to research a lot or talk about a lot in our industry. And the more I learn about it and understand kind of why things are the way they are and, and why they're going the way they are, it's just fascinating. And I don't think that very many people in our industry have had to think about it that much. And so it's a whole it's a whole new world for us. Quite frankly, it's up to your manufacturer or supplier, in my opinion, to, you know, do these things and make sure that the supply is there. Just we're in unprecedented times. That's, it's a global thing, right? Yes. You know, normally if something went wrong here, we could get it from Mexico or Canada or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Just everybody's in the same boat. With lead times really long and, you know, and thinking especially of hot tub retailers, you know, you know, when hot tubs are kind of their main product that they're focusing on selling, you know, when they have someone come in the store and they say, sorry, we, we can order you a hot tub. It's going to you know be delivered in September. You're just going to have to wait for it. You know, people are looking for other things that they can sell people. You know, you hate to have somebody walk into your store ready to buy money in their pocket and then you you send them out empty handed. I know I know retailers are looking for anything and everything that they can get and sell now. But is there anything if you placed an order for some new products today? Is there anything that you can actually get and put in your store? Or at this point, if you haven't ordered it, you're out of luck. <laughs> there are for sure items that you could diversify your product offering. And I think hot tub retail has one of the best opportunities to diversify. In pool retail, I've been touting outdoor living. You know, we're no longer pool retailers, we're mm-hmm. outdoor living retailers. We got to think about everything in the backyard. And I think hot tub retail can certainly take that same stance. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to necessarily be pool people, but they can do patio furniture. They can do, you know, grills and outdoor kitchens and, you know, warming items such as fireplaces and pits and hammocks. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to have a full big furniture offering, Yeah, but sometimes it's the little things that sort of complement what's there. There's fencing or privacy fencing that you can install around the hot tub. You know, there's outdoor televisions that you can sell and, you know, just think outside the box like that. You mentioned hammocks and that's one that we've talked about in the magazine years ago. And I'm not sure that really many people have been that excited about selling, you know, when you're you're comparing like a, I don't know, a $50 hammock to a, you know, $12,000 hot tub. But I feel like in this pandemic, a hammock in the backyard would be kind of great, you know, and that's something that I feel like would be an impulse buy for a lot of people. You walk in, you're looking for a hot tub, you're leaving without the hot tub, but you still want to get something. Man, a hammock would just be, would be so nice. Look at what grocery does, right? They sell the funniest things in grocery stores and you just sort of scratch your head and go, why? My old mentor would say, you know, if it's going to rain all summer, guess what? We're going to sell umbrellas all summer. It's like, that was Mm -hmm. what he believed in. And that sort of, you know, zig when you, when everyone else is zagging and you got to think on your feet, but yeah, I know $50 hammock, but that's an impulse buy, right? Yeah. 
how about a twelve thousand dollar outdoor kitchen like that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Compliment to a hot tub, right? So something that I've seen on the pool side is the smaller splasher pools have mm-hmm. been crazy popular. I mean, I've just I mean, I know friends, anyone who has a child under the age of 10, you wanted one of these this summer. Are those something that are available and something that maybe hot tub retailers can get their hands on as, you know, kind of an alternative that people can walk out of with that day? I would say that one would be probably pretty tight this year. I know that a lot of the manufacturers were not accepting any new purchase orders, but it's, you know, something we were preaching for a while that that's yeah. it's easy to grab and go and, you know, very simple line up your sidewalk, but that one probably pretty tight. But going forward, that could be a category that lots of retailers could dip their toe into and maybe successfully. Absolutely. You know, I think even outdoor landscaping style things, whether it be, you know, pavers and stone and walls and landscape lighting, lighting, yeah, big money items that when people are putting a hot tub in, they're probably, I think most of them are doing the backyard would be something that they could compliment or you partner with somebody locally. Yeah. If you don't want to have to deal with delivery and construction or any of that side of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you think that, I mean, you said it, you think that we'll see more traffic in 2021 than we did in 2020. But I mean, overall, what do you see for the industry this year, you know, with the supply chain and with the increase in interest? What do you think it's going to be like? What do you see for, what are the prospects of our industry for, for this year? Once again, I think that it's amazing, the prospects, you know, we spoke about the, you know, inventory and the supply. I think the thing I can't stress more is supply is going to be there. It's, Mm -hmm. we all have to be patient. That's all. And plan ahead, which is something that we're not necessarily used to doing in this industry, because like you said, everything has been on demand. And so if someone orders a hot tub, you, you order the hot tub. And now you're, you're buying hot tubs for next year that aren't sold yet. (laughs) And I think education is the other thing. What the pandemic had showed me in 2020 was I had a lot of friends I haven't talked to in 20 and 30 years. Facebook message me and say, Hey, Ted, can you help me find a pool or a hot tub or whatever? And I <laughs> they, knew, they knew you were in the know. <laughs> yeah. And they were, they were like this retailer in my market. They're just, they're telling me, you know, I, they can't do anything this year. And I would educate them and say, this is not a retailer problem. This is a global problem. Right. So I think educating the consumers to that, like, this is not Joe's hot tub or ABC pool supplies problem. This mm-hmm. is no matter where you go, it's going to be an issue. And I think educating the consumer on that, just to be patient. It's kind of a new sales, I don't want to say tactic, but you know, it's like educating them that everyone is experiencing this, but yet you should still come to us. You know, like I think the customer service side is more important than it's ever been because you can't compete on price. You can't compete on lead times. None of that really matters anymore. And so it's really about putting forth who you are and what you're about and how you're going to take care of these customers as they wait for weeks and weeks and weeks for their order to actually arrive. It's a whole new ball game and a whole new way of selling for people. Yeah. And if you take a page out of like Tesla, right? You know, a lot of times you just can't walk up to a Tesla dealer and buy a car. You know, you have to yeah. schedule a test drive in advance. Mm-hmm. You can't just show up to the dealer and drive a car and then there's a wait. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I, I see this more and more Ford has the new Bronco coming out and it's, you're doing pre-orders online. Like I feel if we take that approach that listen, 2020 wiped us all out, but we're taking orders and pre-orders for these new 2021 models. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty good stance to let the consumer know. 
you know, it behooves all of us to get you that hot tub or that pool as fast as possible, right? I mean, right. all of us. So everyone's going to do. I think also manufacturing is a little conservative on their estimates at the moment. You know, we're in an industry that's fast and furious and seasonal. And I don't doubt for a moment that these manufacturers can ramp up more machines in production. So I think they're just being conservative at the moment and you're going to see it relax for a little bit. I so. wonder too, if labor is going to loosen up a little bit where people who thought they had a temporary layoff and now have a permanent layoff are going to be more open to taking some of those jobs and they really can get rocking and rolling and actually have people to fill those spots and run those second shifts or whatever they need to do to, to ramp things up. We all remember you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago with the Great Recession and, you know, what it did to the hot tub industry. And we've been really crawling out of that. And I, it just seems like a couple of years ago, I'm like, man, hot tub industry back. Like it's back. Right. And now it's like really bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who would have who would have thought? I mean, it's just it's just insane, but it's exciting. And I mean, I'm just so happy for the retailers out there and for their success and how well they're doing. And, you know, it's been a great thing. And hopefully it's something that people can carry through into years beyond 2020 and 2021. It will. And one of the things I speak about is the aging population and the backfill that's coming up behind it. Right. So we were already sort of gearing up for all of this. You know, we hit the low with the recession financially, but somewhere around 2015 is when the shift from the baby boomer purchases happened to Gen X, right? And Gen X is a small population. It's 20 million yeah. people. The boomers are 60 million plus. And then behind the Gen Xs are the millennials, right? And yeah. they're the next big consumer. Mm-hmm. So we were already sort of, you know, preparing businesses to start catering towards millennials. But this happened a little early, but, you know, I think it's a good thing. It's going to give us a taste of what we need to do to ready our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a little more consistent manner. <laughs> you can you can actually plan uh, ahead you know, and we do a rollout. That's good. <laughs> so, have you seen a switch to a younger demographic for hot tubs specifically in the pandemic than you did previously? Because I feel like before we keep talking about you know the millennials are coming, the millennials are coming, but our customer was still the baby boomers. Do you think that there has been a switch to the younger people? You know, we're at somewhere between boomer and Gen X right now, you know, Gen X really taking the charge to follow housing for a moment. You know, millennials were the city dwellers and now we're starting to see them move out to the burbs. Right. So once you move out to the burbs, you get a little money and equity, refi the house, buy a hot tub and a pool. We estimate at least all of my research that I did was about 2025 that really happening. At the earliest, and this was like 10 years ago, I said it was going to be 2020 or 2021. So we're just at the cusp of it. Mm -hmm. I do believe this forced change moved people from city to country, and it might be a little sooner than 2025. But 2025 is not far away. And so, yeah, like you said, this forced change is kind of really prepares people for that new wave of buyers in a way that I'm not sure they would have maybe done otherwise. So that's a positive thing. Yeah, very positive. Ted, are you ready for the Spa Retailer 5? Okay. The last five questions that we ask every guest, we always say that they're supposed to be like rapid fire, but they never end up being rapid fire because then we just chat. But they're not they're not too tough. I'm ready for the small retailer five. All right. So do you recall your first sale in the industry? Yes, I do. And it was? 
I have to explain. Yeah, we gotta know what it. We gotta know what it is. Uh, that's, the, that's the fun it of it. Was a, it's an above ground pool, twenty round. It was called the Regal. Oh yeah. And I think it was like twenty one hundred dollars. What was your first real job? Was it at the pool store? My first real job. Real I, job, like double YouTube job. Chick Fil A. Oh, oh I... before Chick Fil A was the thing. Now, okay, it was like a little recluse place in the mall. Chick Fil A's. <laughs> So it wasn't the yeah. cool Chick-fil-A that it is today. <laughs> I was 14 and I would run to work every day. You would run to work so you wouldn't be late or just because you needed the exercise? I didn't have any mode of transportation to get to work. So it was either run or bike and it was seven miles each way. I know I sound like an old person. Seven no. miles each way. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> in your years in the industry, what would you say is your the worst idea that you've ever tried to roll out, whether it was bringing in a product or a program or it was something that you tried that just did not turn out the way that you thought it would? Oh my gosh, I got there's a few, right? You, if you're not failing, you're not succeeding, right? That's, yeah. that's the whole thing. I always tell people I've, I bring my successes born out of failures, right? So, you know, I would have to say, yeah, I also don't want to talk smack about other industries. So I'm trying to think of a specific product that it would be a complete failure. We can come back um, to that one if you want to do the... I don't know. I don't know. What... Well, we can do the converse. Like what was maybe one of the better ideas that you had that ended up being successful? Outdoor kitchens. Really? Mm -hmm. We were talking about bringing in outdoor kitchens and got up into the group and was up on stage and was talking about outdoor kitchens. And this was 2005, mm. maybe. And everyone's like, well, how much are these outdoor kitchens? Well, they're going to retail for about $12,000. And they're like, no way we are ever ever, ever, ever going to sell a $12,000 kitchen. Here we are today. That's a good one. I, there's a spot in our backyard where I think an outdoor kitchen would look pretty great. Not going to lie. A lot of things that I pick out is maybe before the trend too. Mm -hmm. So I see it a little earlier and, you know, people will give some jabs about it, like pizza ovens. Like I saw the pizza oven trend happen several years ago and it's trending like crazy now. Well, sure. We're all at home and doing our best chef imitation. So pizza oven would be great. It doesn't like pizza. <laughs> so do you have a favorite book or tv show or podcast what are you doing to keep yourself entertained as you're stuck at home although you're not stuck at home you're on a plane by yourself so <laughs> i am sometimes yeah so one of the things i preach to everybody is self-education including my kids i think in order to get better we need to self-educate i read books you know like crazy i read articles online i have you know i love you know, the consumerism sort of freakonomics. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. People, studying a body language and how that resonates, especially when you're selling or presenting. Yeah. The small little things make a big difference. Currently, what I'm watching, forget about work for a moment. I'm watching The Crown on Netflix. I mean, you can't go wrong there. It's this was a pretty it was a pretty great season. So my wife and I, that's our like nightly recap. Kids go to bed, we watch the crown. Good. I drink well, a crown watching nice. her. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It all it all comes back around. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think our plan is to have Ted back on. We've got some other things that we'd like to talk to him about. So thank you for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time and joining oh, me joining me in my closet. Thank you so much. And thank all the listeners. And uh, I'd be more than happy to come back anytime. All right, great. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Megan. Take care.
Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.